0: Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. Hello, how are you? Hope you're good. Hope you're having a lovely week. I'm having quite a lovely week. Apologies if my voice sounds a bit off. I was doing some singing yesterday, singing some karaoke. Renfrey Dedman's here. He wasn't singing karaoke, so presumably
1: you sound normal, Renfrey. Uh, I believe my voice is about as normal as it usually is, so I will have to make up for the the energy. What were you singing last night, Steve?
0: Uh, I sang <laughs> I sang Hip To Be Square by yuli basically when it was my other job that I do that I was talking about last week we had a sort of um, had like a party yesterday a bit of a jolly cause had a jolly because we didn't get to have a Christmas party so it's sort of like a Christmas party so um, went had a had a meal at Tom Kerridge's restaurant in London which mm-hmm. was lovely lovely and then we decided to go to Lucky Voice Karaoke in Soho and I did hip to be square by hughie lewis in the news which was fucking high register on that shit <laughs> just because you know you know how much i like i admire patrick bateman mm. uh mm.
1: Um, great thing to
0: start yes. with <laughs> yeah
1: uh, well, well, I, I mean i do uh, you know how much i that, admire but... that fictional serial killer yeah i do i like, I like <laughs> the
0: cut of his jib i don't like it when he kills animals not into that i'd mm. actually have to skip bits of that book but people especially the fucking twats he works with Mm. the wall street twats he works with kill yeah fucking kill paul allen or paul owen as he is in the book um sorry that
1: That homeless guy yeah he didn't
0: deserve that yeah no you know
1: so yeah you can't you can't you can't defend everything Patrick Bateman did.
0: You can't. I mean, this is the sort of the difficult thing with Patrick Bateman, isn't it? As much as you want to defend
1: everything <laughs> that he
0: does. Because <laughs> he's such a likable character. <laughs> it's very difficult to do that. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, what else did we do? Yeah, we did... I did. Um, uh, I would do every, Anything for Love, but I won't do that by Life, which is a fucking tough old one. I think I did it all right. Certainly did it better than Anthony Kiedis would have done it. I mean, mm. I don't think there's any any doubt about that just, despite what our youtube channel uh, comments seem to, th- i just been so we're going to i should say thanks to everyone uh, who's been who's if you're a subscri- if you're new to the the show whatever we did um uh, we put up a, a review of the new red hot chili peppers album uh, a couple of days ago it's up on our youtube channel as well few red hot chili peppers fans have found it in between sort of driving their ford mondeo laughing at mrs brown's boys and <laughs> eating at wagon um And uh, they're not happy, are they, some of them? Some of them are very unhappy. And some of their arguments are, it's a bit like, who would have thought that people who like such boring, bland, nothing music have such boring, bland, nothing opinions and uh, (laughs) things to say? Oh, you must be really jealous. I'm not, we're not jealous of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We're just disappointed in them, aren't we? Yeah. Just disappointed and let down. Mm. So anyway, that was kind of the, the basic kind of premise of our Red Hot Chili Peppers review that we did. Um as that went up we should have some more reviews riot act reviews going up soon as well i think we wanted to get wet leg this week they didn't send it to us yeah. so we'll probably do i know that's a kind of big one so probably try and do wet leg um should do uh, jack we should white say as well and we want to do jack white as well I think we'll probably be far more positive about both of those records than we were the Relic Chili Peppers album. I'd like think. to
1: think so, because I don't like want to listen so. to another record as bad as that Chili Peppers record no, <laughs> <don't> any time soon.
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't, no. £100, Renfri. One <laughs> hot minute, i £100. Yes. we want to say a big thank you to our sponsors as well, the guys over at 2000 Trees. They're the main guys, aren't they? They're they are the main guys. The ma- I think they're in the top f- four bunch of guys.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, that's all. That's pretty good. That's yeah, not bad. How are you deducing that?
0: Well, I'm just thinking of all the guys, mm. and I'm sort of ranking them. Okay, putting the early ones in, the best ones in early. So that would be the sort of the Portsmouth 2003, 2004 <laughs> squad. Right, they're number one. Got a, they'd be number one. Yeah, where where and am then, I
1: on the on the ranking? You're
0: part of the well. Two Thousand Trees Stroke Arctangent Guys You're one of them I Oh I'm one of them Well you are sometimes Yeah you That's go in And you answer. dip in and out Or you're an individual I mean I can't count Me and you I can't call myself Sure One of the guys Anyway listen They're <laughs> high up In the list of guys The guys at right. uh, Two Thousand okay. Trees Thank you very much um, For your support Guys Thank you very much For sponsoring the podcast We really do appreciate That And um, Go over to Two Thousand Trees Forward slash Tickets to buy tickets for a festival which has a mouth-watering multitude of fantastic artists playing across its weekend. And Renfrey will now give you more information about said artists. Absolutely. Off the top of his head. Because he should really know. Chucked you under the bus here, bellend. to be fair. No, me. not a Belen. Okay, well, Idols are headlining. Idols There's are one.
1: headlining. Thrice are playing Fahisu in full. Jimmy at yeah. World are headlining. Uh, yeah. Jimmy are headlining. headlining. Yeah, Jimmy at
0: World Yeah, yeah. Creeper are playing. We all like Creeper. Am I doing we? this or are you doing it? <laughs> well, I'm helping you out. No, okay. I chucked you under the bus and I'm dragging your carcass from underneath, <laughs> out, out of the bus and uh, giving you mouth-to-mouth <laughs> resuscitation.
1: Papa playing and we're re- re- uh, reviewing their new album. Later today on the show as yep, well.
0: And, I was going to mention them.
1: A uh, little spoiler, it's great. Uh, the Get Up Kids, which will be absolutely fantastic. Can't Swim, reviewed their album not too long ago. Rolo Tomasi as well. Pigs, 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 pigs. Royal Republic are there. McCluskey are there, who I'm hoping to see next week. I'll try and report back on that next week. Tiger Cub, Cross Faith, No Devotion, Ginger Wildheart, Pulled Apart by Horses, Angel Dust, Johnny Foreigner, Mannequin Pussy, Black Foxes, shouldn't have mentioned them. Not in your presence and in your current state. Uh, palm Reader, Jim <laughs> Locky, yeah, Jim can Lockie and the solemn sun, Puppy, uh, Bob Villain, Chubby in the gang, Beans on toast, Heavy Lungs, Orchards, Fox Jaw, Fan Club, Goddamn Cassette, who I've heard a lot about, Cassiette, Cassiette, Spinner. I should say, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nervous, Joe Appleford, formerly of Bad Sign, it'd be good to see his new stuff there, Clit Drip, Blood Command, Prestamiko, Haggard Cat. Oh, You've made your point. you made, made your point. point. You've
0: made your point. Anyway, it takes place uh, in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire from the 7th to the 9th of July. And if everything goes according to plan, we'll see you there. So, like I say, go to 2000 uk forward slash tickets. And if you want to buy yourself a ticket for the weekend so you can come and hang out, you can get 20% off the ticket price. Is it 20% off? Yeah. Oh, 10%. Sorry, did I say, <laughs> I said... I'm literally... I thought I said 10%. No, I said 20%. i am giving... I'll pay you the other 10%. <laughs> pay the other 10%. No, don't promise that. No. Know, <laughs> know. no, no, no. Don't promise that. Sorry, 10%. 10%. 10%. I'll give you 10% off if you put the code Act, into the checkout. Is that all right? Yes. Yeah. yes. We're happy with that? Yes. Good. Okay. I've got to do more selling as well. we have got to talk about our bloody... Patreon page as well, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Basically sign up for any amount. You can suggest an album and we'll do a Rioters review on that, which is where we take your suggestions and listen to the album that you said that we should listen to. And when we talk about it, we've got one on Reuben uh, that we put up. Um, uh, very fast, very dangerous. Yeah, over yeah, the weekend, a week which was mm-hmm. um,
1: great fun to chat about. We have kind of skirted around Reuben quite a lot, but I don't think we've ever really directly gone in on talking about them and um guess what turns out we both think they're fucking brilliant
0: (laughs) they're well good yeah Yeah. they're really really good uh there are loads of writers of views up also as well at the moment our current classic album If you sign up for the five pound a month tier the current classic album is on smash by the offspring and then it will be renfrey's pick
1: yeah a black mile to the surface by manchester orchestra which i've already Mm -hmm. started researching and um there's uh yeah there's quite a lot to go into that record but um it's a record that i absolutely adore you said some very nice things about it you were listening to it on the train i, I listened to
0: it for the first time um last week when i was uh, on the on the train back from one of those gigs that i went to mm-hmm. and um yeah i i i've never heard it before but it, in, it immediately captured my attention yes what i will say
1: i was very well yes i, I won't say much more but i was very relieved that uh last time i did it's not gonna be album. a muse yeah you know? <laughs> last time i felt like i had to spend some of the time defending the band as well and i don't feel like i'll have to do that with this uh, particular one at all no
0: so that should be good so there you go though. go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast i should say by the way on the show this week we're going to be talking talking of festivals as we already have we're going to be talking about a long lost festival that could have been a thing it could have been a contender <laughs> but uh it sadly didn't happen and we'll be sort of looking at what could have been with tattoo the planet stroke tattoo the earth the long sort of lost i guess it was what well, we'll talk about it in a minute but it was sort of set up as a kind of rival to the Ozfest. yeah in a in a lot of ways isn't it yeah and touring um, festival
1: it was yeah. indoor in the uk although i think they did a few outdoor shows but yeah we'll go into that later yeah,
0: yeah but we will so we be talking about it in a little bit but before we do there are a few things out that we should mention that we've been listening to i'll start with health disco four part two the sixth is it the sixth studio album sort of from the well, la industrialist it's a kind of collaborative album yeah i much feel like-, like they did
1: I feel like it's um they have like collaboration albums as well so i feel like this is a part of that series so i think there will be a fifth full length proper at some point um although i don't really because i did
0: see part one get referred to as the fifth health album and i was like so i guess that makes this the sixth if that's the case but then (laughs) i
1: don't think that's the case um but that's not to say that these collaborative albums should be dismissed at all, as I actually initially kind of did, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I really shouldn't have done, though, because just looking at the guests that are on this part alone, you've got Poppy, Nine Inch Nails, Lamb of God, The Body, Street Sex, Backwash, Perturbator. Those are just the ones that I like. <laughs> um, you've all, yeah. But you've actually also got Horror some, are on there? Yeah, Horror on there, Add a Rock. There's some really, really awesome. Uh, Awesome guest spots on this record. It's, yeah, very full of some really, really cool collaborations. Mm,
0: really cool. Good to hear Trent Reznor's voice, isn't it?
1: Oh, it really is. And it's really nice to hear Trent Reznor's voice um, sounding like prime Nine Inch Nails as well. I mean, do you want to jump straight to that track? Um
0: yeah we can do I mean I was going to say before we move on I think there's a few of the people that you mentioned I mean for one I will say like the first track on it is with Poppy Poppy has really won me over she's excellent because I think she's fucking great on this song her screams are really good and like broadly to be honest I've only listened to this once because I only got it you know we got it yesterday so I didn't get a chance to listen to it until today and so I am very very new to this record but I've listened to most of it sort of twice. I really like the poppy song. I just loved hearing Trent Reznor's voice. Yeah, but I also liked how kind of smooth the record felt. Like it didn't feel like you know sometimes. I mean, you know, when we were talking about the soundtracks a little while back, yeah. lots of different artists. Or when you, you know, that everyone feels like they stamp their authority on this record. Well, most people do, and yet it still sounds like an album as opposed to just a sort of collection of different collaborations so i thought that was cool yeah uh, that kind of in- immediately struck me which i thought was really good well that really, god that... sounding more like fucking lamb of god than they have oh, for
1: ages they sound better on that track than they have done on their past three or four records like yeah like they sound absolutely amazing i mean health are the um recurring factor through this so i assume that in terms of the arranging and in terms of like putting the track list together and making it sound like a cohesive album that is down to them surely um and i think they've done an amazing job of that because it does go to a lot of different places as well it's not as if it just stays in one place this whole this whole record it is very 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 diverse and i think at first you know we didn't review part one of this and we probably should have done um, given the quality of this I have actually re-listened to part one now and it is very very good I think I actually slightly prefer this part um, if I'm honest but there's definitely you know this isn't like uh, I'm sure that Health have put as much work into this and these projects as they do their own records you know there is definitely that sense that they are fully fleshed out records in and of themselves they just happen to have shit loads of really cool guests on them so
0: yeah i agree i mean you know the the, the guests are and, and yeah i mean but why i mean the thing is when you look at the guests why wouldn't you mm. you know why wouldn't you do that i mean it does there are a few things that i say that that jump out at you as being like pretty obvious Bedfellows. I thought the Lamb of God one was
1: interesting because I was
0: like, oh, that's interesting how that's going to work. Works very well.
1: That was one I was excited to hear, but it wasn't one that struck me as a, oh, that's going to be a really, you know, that's going to be a bullseye kind of thing. Um, I, I think it ends up being a bullseye. It's fucking excellent. But, you know, I wasn't totally convinced by that until I heard it. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, well, good. I mean, the Lamb of God song is... Is really really fucking great. I think, um, like you mentioned, nine-inch nails. Yeah, nine-inch nails sounding like oh, kind of old school nine. Um, what you even? How do you even define old school nine-inch nails? At I this think point? because it, they've been around a long time, haven't they? But like classic nine-inch nails, I should say.
1: There is a point where Trent Reznor refers to piggies, which obviously immediately put me in a downward spiral frame of mind, and. Um, You know it might be considered quite a cheap trick but it worked it felt it felt like a track that could have slotted straight onto downward spiral and that's a pretty pretty unbelievable unbelievable thing to say say, but i think it's probably one of the best albums ever made isn't it yeah but i I mean do do you disagree with this particular track
0: no no i think it sounds very reminiscent of that era yes uh like i mean yeah i mean i've I've only heard it twice so I can't, i'm not going to start going it's as good as anything on the deck because i mean the downward spiral is literally perfect it's pop it on before
1: p- reptile and i think it would work i'm not saying it would make the album like between is it a warm place and reptile i don't think it would mm. necessarily make the album better i think the downward spiral is perfect as it is but but in terms of like getting that style of nine inch nails it's got a beautiful piano outro as well, which is more fragile-y, I guess. But, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's a wicked song. It's a yeah. wicked song.
0: Uh, it will not surprise anyone to learn as well that the backwash... um, What's it called? Gnostic Gnostic flesh. Gnostic flesh and mortal hell with backwash and horror. I mean, again, more kind of fuel for the fire in my... Backwash is better than, than any of these other people. Because so, I, I was like, Fucking now she comes in, sounds absolutely amazing. And then mm-hmm. Horror come in, and are good. Yeah. Like, are good. But, uh, yeah, I like, Backwash absolutely steals that song. Fucking awesome. I agree with really that. Great.
1: I did think um, Street Sex uh, did a really good job on the next track, though, in a similar sort of styly, in that kind of backwash kind of style. Um, street Sex are a band that I've been kind of. Looking at for a little while anyway. I've purchased some of their albums on Bandcamp, and they are a really, really interesting band. Um, but I think they did a brilliant job on the song "The Joy of Sect," which is uh, great. I really, really liked. Um, there's a song called "Still Breathing" uh, and an artist called Ecstasy, who I don't know. I'm guessing it's a sort of shoegazy type vibe because it went quite shoegazy. Um, and I thought that was a really beautiful track, and I'll probably check out Ecstasy as a result. Um, I think in terms of the, if we're talking about that backwash street sex kind of thing, I think mm. the most impressive, what I'm going to call aggressively rappy thing
0: on the record. Just, just that this mur- murder, murder, death, kill. This
1: murder, death, kill thing.
0: Mm. What do you that think? That is good. Okay. Two minutes, two seconds. Yeah. Coming after the Nine Inch Nails song, I was like, "Oh, that, that that Nine Inch Nails song is fucking amazing." Yeah. And then it just blasts the shit out of you. Yeah, I I, I really like that. I yeah. liked that a lot. Obviously,
1: it was basically it's basically a cross between Denzel Curry and Backwashers, and it you know like it's very mm. very very good. Reminded me of that Denzel Curry track from the DC Dark Knight soundtrack, uh, but yeah, featuring Adam Rock and play that Boise.
0: Ada Rook, I believe, was on that last Backwash album as well.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Okay.
0: So, probably an artist for us to yeah mm. uh, investigate, investigate further. But yeah, look, look, I don't really have a lot to say about this because I've only just, literally only just listened to it. But we want to talk about it because, you know, it's a really fucking cool idea. And uh, just very uh, a cool idea... Well executed. Because mm. cool ideas can often be executed very poorly, unfortunately. Mm, that's mm, one of that's true. life's big disappointments, isn't it? That these things sometimes do not match up to some of their parts. But I think this does, no, broadly I agree. speaking.
1: I think it's really strong. It kind of reminded me... gave me the same feeling as that um, White Pony re-release in that leading up to it, I... Not that I wasn't looking forward to it, but I just had little to no expectations for it whatsoever because I just didn't really feel like I needed you know, a bunch of remixes of those White Pony songs and then it came and I was like wow this is amazing and I can't stop listening to it and I'm kind of feeling a similar vibe with this definitely
0: Mm. Very good Uh, Disco 4 Part 2 by Health is out today if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out the 8th of April 2022, that's going to be the date uh, Last week, Pup released a new album The Unraveling of Pup the Band It's the fourth full-length pop album The follow-up to 2019's Morbid Stuff record Which we reviewed and we were very, very positive about I Very think, positive you, I think when you get to this point in your career as a band when you're, when you're a band like Pup I mean, how far can Pup go With the sound that they have established Over the last three records you know like most kind of indie punk kind of um slightly unrefined menzingers well they're not even they don't really sound the menzingers do they but that kind of that kind of this this new school of grungy indie punk stuff Mm -hmm. it's not really a lot of stuff you can do not really much you can do with that format once you've established it other than continue to write really really good songs and I think it says quite a lot about Pup that this album feels like it's quite different from Morbid Stuff I think yep but it also still sounds very much like them Mm -hmm. and uh yeah there's nothing that's going to particularly surprise anyone here but they're just really really good aren't they they're uh, just a really good band
1: they're fucking fantastic I, I love the i mean one of my favorite things about pup and i think a huge thing which gives them their identity is their self-deprecating humor that's always been a massive part of pup and it's in full force here this is i mean i don't know if it's too grand to give this the moniker concept album but it sort of is you know it's one done by sort of four snotty toronto punk kids but you know there is a there is a concept of sorts in that it is about them hating being in a band and i know that that's kind of what all the other albums are about um arguably but i think by giving themselves uh if not a concept at least a theme it means that they've kind of musically expanded as well so four chords starts the record in a brilliant way with that brilliant piano intro before about how being in a band sucks basically obviously before the whole nine yards comes in and it comes across as this like modern punk version of sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band obviously the good one that the beatles did not the soundtrack album that we did on broken records but yeah and then I mean, songs like Totally Fine and Relentless on the Surface could come across as like a pretty standard pup thing, but there's actually quite a lot going on on those songs beneath the surface. I think, particularly, songs like the big epics on this album. And when I say big epics, I'm talking about songs which are four minutes or four and a half minutes, but songs like um, Cutting Off the Corners and Relentless just have so many different dynamics and have so many different cool turns of pace there were multiple times during this record where they evoked Weezer to me but a Weezer that I used to love and Weezer have been piddling about for quite a long time we talked about Weezer not too long ago and we will continue we will be talking about Weezer quite a lot this year so it turns out but if you take i mean you if if you sort of um saw this as pups okay human cuz i think there are kind of conceptual similarities between those two records we were actually quite kind to okay human we both really really liked mm. it i'd still say this is better than okay oh, human. This,
0: yeah i i think this is better yeah. i mean the thing about pup that i really like about pup is essentially yeah you know everything you've just said I think it's quite accurate. And this is a record which just does the thing that Pup does uh, very well. And one of the things that make them, like you say, that stands out from all of their peers, I think. There are quite a lot of those, those bands that play this similar sort of music who go, Hey, we're in a band and we're out doing it. But none of them... Make me actually laugh out loud. There's times on this record where I actually kind of, and not in a like, we're, hey, we're wacky, like it's comedy music. But they're just so kind of, <laughs> they they seem so genuinely jaded, yes. and broken down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just, I think they seem so, and they they probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure it comes from a sort of real place, but then at the same time there are four albums in. Yeah. I doubt they hate each other and stuff, but it is like, you know, it's, yeah. everything is magnified and yeah. But it's really funny. It's really like they are really quite they are really I don't like using the word funny. They're really amusing. They're really amusing. They're really kind of satirically funny to, and and meta, like that kind of meta comedy. It's yeah. it's really good. And it's very strong on this record.
1: Well, one of the lines I picked out, so you're selling insurance. That's so inspiring. Give me two more years. Let me know if you're hiring. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's fucking brilliant. That's on the last song. 200 bucks a week to talk about my lack of direction. I got a bit of a complex in case that wasn't clear from the last three sessions. It's fantastic. Like, the way that they interweave stories. The the lyrics are so fucking good. They always have Mm. been with pop records, but I there's quite a few couplets on this particular one which really stand out as being exceptional.
0: We, We actually, it's weird, this coming in the kind of aftermath of us talking about Ruben and we were saying that Ruben seemed to get more and more annoyed at being a band as yeah. they went on. Yeah. And I think there's a sense that, and, and the more they got annoyed, the better it became and the, the sort of more amusing and the more kind of, yeah, the more kind of relatable it became. And I think there's definitely a case to say that that's the same thing with Pup.
1: That's a good point, actually. I, I hadn't made that Ruben connection, but they're absolutely, yeah, it is there. It, it feels like it started humorous with Ruben and by the end, it was like really obvious that they were genuinely really fucking pissed off about it. And there's still quite a lot of humor in, in it here but there's enough called it sort of jadedness to make you question sometimes whether how real it is or not it's that thing that you were saying about it's probably like an exaggerated reality kind of thing yeah but it's i i think this is fantastic i think for, with morbid stuff we said that basically pop albums just keep getting better and better and better Hmm. I, I feel like this is a little bit of a sidestep, but but still, I mean, I can't decide, do I prefer Morbid Stuff to this or the Unraveling of Pop the Band? I haven't, I, I, I was hoping to go back to Morbid Stuff and I didn't get time in the end, but it's very, very close either way, you know, I think they're a brilliant band who just continue to keep putting out brilliant records.
0: I'm going to say I think Morbid Stuff is slightly better. Okay. Okay. Just slightly better, I think. There's um, f- why uh, oh, I've got to justify it now, haven't I? Um, yeah, yeah, well, probably that's <laughs> meant to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's just maybe just a little bit more chaotic musically, mm-hmm. which I like morbid stuff.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: It's a little bit more. It's the, the punk is more pronounced on morbid stuff than it is on here. I think that's true. That kind of chaotic clattering, caterwauling yeah. is definitely more pronounced on that record, it, and I think that is that is a strong suit of theirs
1: yeah it would be um it would definitely be inaccurate to say that this is pub gone pub gone prog or anything like that that's way too ott but there is a uh more expansive sense to it I guess you know you've got trumpets on cutting off the corners for example which are much better than the trumpets on the Red Hot Chili Peppers album my god um, which helps to give the sense of a sort of grand concept and you've got some wailing crazy Stooges funhouse esque sax on the very final song, which I think is the title track, isn't it? The unraveling of Pup the Band, I think. Yeah. Um
0: well, Pup Inc. the Band is filing oh, for bankruptcy, it's filing for bankruptcy.
1: <laughs> that's it, which is funny in and of itself, which is great. Um yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's a it's a brilliant so I mean Robot writes a love song is a that's exactly what it says on a tin. It's about, <laughs> like, a robot writing a love song. It's ridiculous. But they make it work. It's great.
0: Mm. It is good. They're a very, very good band. So the unravelling of Pup the Band actually came out last week. We didn't get a chance to chat about it last week, so we thought we'd chat about it this week. We also didn't get a chance to chat about this last week. Um, Maybe probably because, well, I don't know, maybe we didn't get sent it. And maybe because we thought it was something else, or Renfrey. So Renfrey <laughs> said to me, steak, "Steak, The the Belgian post-hardcore band, Steak Number no. Eight, formerly known as Steak Number no. Eight, Steak have a new album out, and I was like, "Oh, did it? Okay, right, cool, okay." And <sighs> yeah, uh, and I we didn't get it, so I found it and I put it on. And I was like, it's "Weird, isn't it?" Because I can't see any of their other albums on Spotify alongside this. And Steak Number Eight is steak as in through the heart, whereas yes. this band are steak as in
1: sitting the down to food. the steak. Yeah, mm. basically what Steve is trying to say is I made a big fat cock up uh, <laughs> and I got very excited by the thought of a new stake record because um, they're what I will call their debut because, you know, they've it, they, they, it's the same members of stake number eight, I believe. But yeah. they've just, you know, decided to sort of start again kind of thing, which is fine. Get
0: the number eight. Get rid of the number
1: eight, isn't it? Get rid it? of the number eight. Um and it certainly was a different kind of it was almost like a that sort of robotic early Queens of the Stone Age thing that we talked about earlier, like kind of um that we talked about before, mixed with like sludge metal. It was it was an excellent record, record crystal method. So when I saw that they were following up, I was like, Oh, amazing. Uh yeah, it turns out it's a completely different band called Stake. It's very confusing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. I mean, so many bands now of course there's going to be two bands called state there has to be of course there's going to be but it turns out they are
1: a stoner rock band from london well that's that so that's the thing so when i put it on i was like well this is definitely a change in direction and this is very brave but you know i can see where they're going and then obviously it turned out that it was a totally different band but the thing at the end of the day we've both listened to this quite a lot and actually it's quite good so i think it's worth talking about
0: it is good isn't it It i actually like this i don't usually you know we've not really done a lot of kind of stonery stuff and i think there's enough um it's enough of a mix between the more straightforward like when that stoner rock stuff goes really riffy and goes on and on and on and there's not much yeah. in the way of choruses or um or hooks or changes in pace and stuff i do get a little bit like uh, i'm not sure how much of this i need Absolutely. but that is kind of the point of that music so i guess it's just that's a, that's a taste thing obviously so mm-hmm. i'm not saying those bands are bad um but it's not something which i can really get that into so much but when i think of like I really like Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu have got a couple of albums that I really, really like. And when I think of what I like about Fu Manchu, it's that they bring that almost kind of party feel to Stoner Rock, which is really cool. And I think Steak mixed that with this sort of um, progressive... Because there's bits of tool in here, isn't there? Towards the yeah. end, you know, there's touches of proggy talk like the, the bass is very reminiscent of sort of undertow era. at all i mm. think and you kind of mix those two things together and you get a very very enjoyable record i think
1: yeah i i was really um really surprised by this it's a sort of psychedelic rock thing with some big riffs you've got a song called ancestors which reminds me a little bit of um space cadet by caius because it's got these acoustic guitars and bongos and a slightly sort of stonery vibe. And then it uses this um, hook around the words, it's been a long time coming and goes into this hugely distorted chorus. And it just sounds absolutely lovely. Like it's really, really good. There's some very masters of reality, Black Sabbath, Stoner, Doom references on frequencies i think which is an almost eight minute song which could suffer from that thing that you're talking about about stoner bands getting repetitive and a little bit dull and i personally don't think it did um i
0: i i saw the length of some of the songs so there's a song that's seven minutes twenty five A song that you mentioned, Frequency, 7 minutes 46. And my, probably my favourite song on the album, Papa's Special Custard. Certainly (laughs) my favourite, certainly my favourite title on the record. (laughs) Uh, 8 minutes and 28. And that that is a great song. Yeah. yeah, That is a fucking great song. That is. Really, really good. It
1: feels very varied. I don't think steak sounds like them, but this album um reminded me of habits by elephant tree in the sense that it felt like quite a broad stoner record like the foundation Mm. is stoner but there's a lot you know there's there's entire songs on that habits record which you could just say a folk for example um there were quite a few things on here which sounded really quite different and made it i'm mean, it's about 47 minutes long i think and it definitely you know whizzes past i think quite in quite a brilliant way um i think my favorite track is probably if it's not ancestors it might be mono the final track which has some absolutely bonkers crazy female vocals going over the top mm, of it. that's, that's wicked again a it's bit a nice the kind of
0: great great quite. gig in well, i would say great great the in sky, sky sure, sure, sure. you know mm. where it came from I guess, well, I don't know, they probably weren't the first people to do that, Pink Floyd, I'm sure. But yeah, I think that's like, uh, yeah, the obvious reference point that always comes up is Knife Party and Great Gig in the Sky um, whenever you hear that thing. But it's just, I don't think it'll ever matter how many times it gets done. If it's done right, it'll sound amazing
1: i agree and it's the sort of thing that isn't done very often because it's incredibly hard to do so (laughs) you know um but yeah i i i I thought this was you know obviously this is not exactly what i was expecting and I was very confused for ages i was particularly confused because there's a, a a red theme on both album covers and i was like oh that's nice they've they've kind of they've linked them up thematically in that sense. No, no, totally different band. Um, but it was <laughs> but it was nice. It was nice to, it was kind of frustrating at first, because <laughs> I'd written a lot of notes about, ah, oh, this is very difficult to, different to, crit- to critical method, which had nothing to do with anything. Um, but you know, this is not the band I expected to find, but I found a very good band nonetheless. So, mm, yeah. yeah. It is good. I thought it was worth it, mentioning. So,
0: If you haven't heard them, do what we did, discover something new. Yeah. Bloody hell. Imagine that. Uh, Acute Mania by Steak is out now. Uh, I didn't go and see any gigs. No, neither have I. This week. Neither have I. That's good. Short show this week, is it? Get, that, get it all done. Get it in the can.
1: Well, you're hungover, Just, so you're happy with that. I am, probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's not loads in the news either, really, particularly, in terms of things that are worth talking about I mean obviously the Grammys happened Mm. don't really want to talk about the Grammys. we did say last year I'm I'm usually happy to talk about the Grammys
1: and I'm usually not (laughs)
0: well I'm usually happy to talk about I was happy to talk about it last year because you had people like Phoebe Bridges and Fiona Apple and um, I mean I've already forgotten who won was it High on Fire that won last year or was that the year before I can't remember but anyway And I'm usually happy to talk about it if people who I like have won. (laughs) And this year, you know, Dream Theater won the metal category. At the moment, it is quite hard to begrudge Foo Fighters winning three awards, Uh, given the circumstances.
1: Sure, given the circumstances, but but like you know, they don't deserve to win. For I I I don't know what awards they won. But, I mean, that album... Best
0: best rock, best rock performance, best rock song, best rock album or something mm. like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's yeah. not, is it? You know? So, no. I don't, but then, look, irrespective of what's happened, it, it still isn't. No. sure,
0: Jail by Kanye West won best hip-hop song. And I do actually, as discussed, think that song is fucking brilliant. But, like... <laughs> come on <laughs> <I don't> th- <laughs> it's on shaky territory it's giving it like i think giving it an award is as discussed when it first got nominated we were a bit like why have they done this why it well, seems yeah. deliberately counterintuitive to go out of your way to just be controversial and for then for it to win as well i was like oh, you're just really wanting to annoy people which feels yeah. a bit Silly.
1: I mean, obviously, most people haven't even picked up on that because they've picked up on the Louis C.K. thing yeah. uh, instead.
0: You're kind of deliberately putting yourself in a position that you probably don't need. And I mean, we, you know, we discussed all of this when we discussed the nominations in the first place. It's a bit like it would just be easier. I mean, it's only a fucking Grammy, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's not, imp- it's not actually important. Like, who gives a shit? So. But no one who won really inspired me particularly that much, I've got to be honest. Um, but the one thing I did think was worth us talking about was the fact that Joey Jordison uh, was not part of the In Memoriam tribute part of the Grammys. Which, I mean, obviously, we're not going to say, oh, that's all right. Or, you know, like, what, what, what do you think we're going to say about this? You know, you already know what we're going to say about this. It's, it's shitty. It's shitty. Joey Jordison has actually won a Grammy. Yeah. Has been up is. on that stage and picked up a Grammy. You know, I think my metal fans pointing out that John Zazula, who signed, who's from Megaforce Records, who signed Metallica and Anthrax, mm. also was left out of it. Now, yeah, that's not, that's not good either. Like, I'm not being like, oh, well, that's fine. But John Zazula never won a Grammy. Joey Jordison actually won a Grammy, and he wasn't considered worthy of part of the in memoriam for a band the size of slipknot Mm. for a drummer's iconic as it i find it's not even like am i surprised i mean we know what these places think about metal music yeah we we've you know it's been discussed over and over and over again we know what these places think about metal music we know how they feel about metal we know what they think about it they know how what what kind of esteem they hold it in but even despite that i still did find this quite incredible that jerry Jordison wasn't featured in that that is that is quite amazing to me quite amazing
1: i wasn't hugely surprised but then that's sort of how i feel about the grammys generally really i i expect i don't believe personally that this is an actual snub from the grammys to metal i imagine it was just Like, it was probably as simple as they forgot, (laughs) you know, there's going to be someone in charge of putting that together and, you know, they dropped the ball on that one. But then at the same time, I mean, talking about Johnny Z being in there, I mean, I appreciate that Johnny Z had an awful lot to do with the putting together of Metallica, but for something as broad as the Grammys, it feels like you'd have to go quite far down before you gave uh in memoriam thing to johnny z if it was a if it was a metal-centric award ceremony then i would understand that a bit more but yeah for, in terms of that for the grammys i can i kind of feel like that's fair enough i mean if 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 you put everyone who had died like in the industry you'd have a fucking hour-long in memoriam thing um the mm. joey Jordison thing as you say slip not won a grammy so that does seem like a ridiculous oversight you would think that the people who have won should probably get precedence to be in those in memoriam things i also don't know really how how worth getting fucked off about it is it's kind of like crying to crying for attention from the grammys who are never going to bother giving you attention anyway i just don't really see the point and i i don't know if it would have made me feel much better if they had put an in, in, memor- in, 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 in memoriam well i mean you know i would say with absolutely all respect
0: to a gentleman like bascar menon who was a music industry executive who was featured in the in memoriam when you say like oh it's, it's an oversight the Grammy say we are the biggest music celebrating awards ceremony of all genres, of all music across the board on the face of the planet. Now...
1: That just means that they have the most awards that they dish out, really. Well, yeah, it, but it can um, mean what it's
0: want. But if you... Yeah, well... But, yeah, that's, sure. Th- but that's what they... That's what they, they set themselves... they supposed to be... This is the most prestigious, most worthy, and this is the, this is the biggest awards ceremony in music. This is the thing like... And, and if you're going to celebrate... All music. And again, like I say, Bascar Menon, who I am not familiar with at all, and I'm sure had a fantastic career. But it would be like... It would be like Edward Norton dying, at the, and, and the Oscars not featuring Edward Norton, but featuring a some cinematographer from the 60s. And you'd go... I can understand like there'd be oversights and stuff, but I don't understand how... You know, like Ronnie Wilson from The Gap Band. Again, like all the fucking all the respect to the Gap Band. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not here to sort of shit on anyone who did get in it at all. But in terms of the sort of the general significance of the person, like, beyond metal, where well, you saw the amount of people who spoke about Joey Johnson in the aftermath of him passing away from all manner of places. Yeah,
1: there were a lot of tributes. Yeah. Uh,
0: and don't th- the grammys must be at least be vaguely aware of what the metal world thinks of them and you think i don't know man it's just like yeah was it an oversight yeah probably does it say more about does it say a lot about how the grammys feels about metal of course it does yeah of course was it a malicious thing probably not but i think it's just
1: I I should I should say I have nothing to base that on bar my own gut feeling so I don't have any insider. my gut feeling is it wasn't malicious, but I mean, no, I
0: I I can't imagine it. Well, I mean, I can't imagine it was, but then at the same time, I just don't understand how you could have not. Do you know what I mean? I just don't understand how you could have left out Joey Jordison. It seems. Mad to and I know, like, oh well, you people going to go, Wow, you, you know, you bought the slip out on the day it came out, of course, you're going to say that, like, you've like this, but you've seen them loads of times, he's important to you. And matey boy from like this or that, or whatever, it will be more important to other people. I understand that, but I just think you know, if you're a Grammy award winning drummer from a multi platinum selling band with multiple number one albums in the various countries acro- ac- across the globe. Mm. I don't understand how, you know. I don't again with all again with all the love to Taylor Hawkins, he got about fucking five minutes of his own thing, and Joey Jordan didn't even get a picture mm. put up alongside, you know, music industry executives and people in bands who'd split up for you know twenty thirty years ago. Who
1: knows? Who knows how these decisions are made? I mean, who who knows? Maybe I think
0: they did the same with Vinnie Paul a few years ago, didn't they? Vinnie Paul wasn't. Mm part of the in memoriam thing just again like you know dude's had a fucking number one billboard Mm. album like
1: come on man well maybe maybe Joey Jordison was part of it and then Taylor Hawkins died and some some person made a decision Cut the masked metal guy and put more Taylor Hawkins in. Like we just don't know how these decisions are made. And this isn't me trying to defend the Grammys. Can you imagine me trying to defend no. the Grammys? Why would I bother doing that? I'm just saying. Like we have no idea how or why. But it. But you know. It's that actions speak louder than words thing. I mean, I don't know. Do the Grammys ever protest and go, "No, we do really care about metal." I don't think they've even bothered to don't, do that. No, no, <laughs> they no, just they don't haven't. care, you know, and no, they don't mind no. who knows it. So,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's probably a, a fair a fair thing to yeah. to think is that they, you know, they obviously couldn't give a fuck, yeah. and that's fine. And I suppose in a way, rather than getting. I write about it, which we tend to do every fucking year. We should just ignore it. But you know, it just—I think stuff like that. Well, let's, like, let's phrase
1: that. You tend to do that every year, and then behind the scenes, I always go, "Should we just ignore it?" And then you go, "No, nope, we we'll do it." <laughs> and then I go, yes, "Yeah." Yeah,
0: but nice. I just think this feels like uh, the difference between like you know, I don't care about who fucking won. Like I don't, you know, like this year particularly, Dream Theater won the Best Metal thing. Like you know, fine. Well done to them. Do you know what I mean? They're like they're a band who've been around for a long time. I have got no beef with Dream Theater winning that. I don't you know? I don't. I wouldn't have given it to them, but fine. It's just a big shrug from me. But it, but it feels like I don't know. It just when it feels sort of that's just an incredibly disrespectful. I think that the thing is that ignore it and get it wrong get the awards wrong and we can go like oh god the grammy's like give it to jethro tull give it to a fucking tenacious d and all this sort of shit you know what i mean like all this shit yeah fine you know do that if you if you have to do it It doesn't doesn't really matter but that feels like uh, i don't know it feels incredibly disrespectful that feels like an incredibly incredibly disrespectful thing to do more to you know more to joey than just for metal in general but for metal in general but particularly for Joey, do you know what I mean? Who's like I say, multi-platinum, Grammy award-winning, era-defining icon, hero to millions of people mm. yeah. with multiple number-one albums across decades. You've got no excuse. Mm. Like you're just, sh- you're just, you're just shitty people. You're just shit. You're just shitty. Like there's, there's no fucking excuse for it. You're just really fucking just really fucking shitty
1: and that's without getting into the livy ck stuff
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know i know i know grammys is shitty is not exactly a fucking particularly hot take or whatever but you know man just like i i think you know james hetfield's mic doesn't work with the and you know ladies and gentlemen lady gaga and she stood there with metallica <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who sold loads more records than her, and you're like, okay, well, they're just a fucking backing van or something like, and and that shit. Like, I don't even give, I'm not even, I don't even care, I don't, I'm not offended by that. I don't care about that. It's like, oh god, you idiots. Mm. But when it's somebody who's passed away, and you know, they don't, and and that little tiny bit of acknowledgement is like, oh no, fuck that guy, I think that feels quite that feels quite mean spirited. And if it is an accident, it you know if it's music executives that are getting honored then they it's not like they don't know Just but the music executives people.
1: are the people that the grammys who the grammys are voting for those are the people that they're pally with so they're their mates so they're going to get in yeah. there before before Jerry Jordison because they're pals those are people that they're genuinely sad about
0: yeah pricks um mate did you see this this has just come up today right and i haven't got any other news so i thought i might just mention to you i'm gonna spring this on you you heard about david drayman sticking up for little nars x
1: no i have no idea <laughs> what this is go on <laughs> so little nars x
0: um again um he Performed at the Grammys, Little Nas X. We re- about Little Nas X. I've never really listened to Little Nas X. Apparently, he's quite good. think uh, okay. he's good, You're right? You're gonna have to fill he's...
1: me in. Little Nas X, wait, 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 Well, he's
0: massive. He's you know, Old Town Road, the fucking massive. Oh, song. the Old Town Road, yeah. That's, okay. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's that guy, right? And apparently, his album is really. I've not listened to his album to be honest. So I have, I have no opinion on him other than I look at him and I go, he's fucking. He looks amazing, this guy. Like, I've seen clips of the video where. He's lap dancing Satan um, and then <laughs> breaks his neck. And, you know, what I mean, he's he's fucking um, he looks like a, quite a character. Put it that way. So I am sort of thinking at some point I'm going to sit down and actually properly listen to one of his records just to see if it's actually any good or not. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a geezer called Greg Kelly, who is a he describes himself as anti fake news conservative phenomenon. That's what he's one of them guys. He's one of the sort of, a bit slightly to the right of Fox News. I think one of those guys, (laughs) right? He's like one of them, right?
1: I think he's like a sensible position to be in, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. Um, sarcasm.
0: So he tweeted a picture of Little Nas X performing at the Grammys and said, "Little Nas has a big problem, and so does America. Knock yourself out, Nas. You're a little fool with zero talent, right?" and to be fair little nazek came out this guy and went oh, i only wore a thong <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was like i only wore a, that that that, only... that was the controversy was it he wore yeah. a thong
0: a crop top sorry and like, he, he did, yeah so the song you know, a crop top are quite different he, he said damn greg all i did was wear a crop top this time i have right. got the tweet in front of me i didn't have it there but i remember and i thought that was a really funny response and this guy basically backed down. He went, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry he didn't like it. Probably. And he went, have a have a nice night. And this guy went, oh, uh, okay. Well, and he didn't really know what to do. Sort of a bit like, oh, oh, all right, you do have talent then. Okay. And just sort of backed down straight away.
1: Is this a textbook example of how you deal with, um, with uh, cyber bullies? Is that even or a just term say,
0: or? Just say, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry if I offended you. And they go, oh.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going (laughs) to verbally spar with me, but no. Yeah. Okay, so what has David Drayman done?
0: So David Drayman just got involved with this and said, Newsflash Greg Kelly. Artists have been doing things like this for decades. Not sure why it bothers you when little Nas X does it. Don't like it. Don't watch it. You be you, little Nas X. And I thought that was quite nice because I don't see much in the way of uh, correlation between Little Nas X and David Draymond. But I'm glad that David Draymond, I feel like he went on the right side. Is David Draymond, occasionally, he said some fairly fruity things in the past, hasn't he? Has he? Sort of things where you go, yeah, I always thought he was a bit, but he seems like he sort of mellowed out in his old age. And you know that whole thing where... Um,
1: what do you mean by fruity things? I'm not, I, I, well, I don't know this stuff.
0: This I mean, yeah, i got to go back stuff. quite a long time. Oh, okay. To be fair, but when I went, well, the one thing I was remember about David Draymond was when 9-11 happened and he was like, get them,
1: get them okay. all. That like was quite a, bit, a long time ago.
0: It was quite a long time ago, but then he was, about sort of 10 years ago, he was on Twitter and he was always talking in block capitals all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Everything was a big like, ah. Oh. I enjoy that. And uh, I can't remember exactly the things that he was saying, but he used to seem like he used to get really riled up about
1: everything. Who doesn't like the feeling of being shouted at through text? Who oh, doesn't enjoy that?
0: I I I'm a big fan. <laughs> um so you would think he would like as as metal prominent metal musicians get older, they tend to become, you know, a little bit more um conservative, shall we say. And yet here's David Jamin sort of seemingly doing the opposite of that. So I just thought it was a sort of interesting thing. That he, the, the person you think he would side with, he's actually gone the other way. Because a lot, again, a lot of metal musicians giving it like, "Oh, I don't like rap and rap is and all this, all shit." Like so Liam He's like, "No,", <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and he and he didn't. So I was like, "Oh," because I, I don't like disturbed. I don't think you like disturbed either, do you? No,
1: I I I have absolutely nothing nothing to say undisturbed whatsoever it's
0: just nice to say something positive about david drayman that he appears to be on the you know on the, the like the right side of something
1: yeah good 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 for Davy. did you i
0: suppose without thinking that he was some sort of you know mad lunatic you're probably like oh, this is not really anything But i remember at all, is it
1: really? there was you know like there was a long period of time where you couldn't go Without seeing his name, without the mad sort of nickname attached to it, which I think journalists did because he absolutely hated it. I he believe he
0: fucking hated it, didn't he? He did not like that.
1: Yeah, I believe. Which I, you know, I don't know. I have very few opinions on disturbed whatsoever. They're just a, they're just something that's sort of there that I tolerate, and I think they're fine. But nothing, <laughs> you know. This is whatever. Yeah. And David Draymond, I mean, you know, he's fine. He's all right. He and is all right. He's all right. You've interviewed him, right? I've interviewed him. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you like, uh, you thought he was quite nice. He was really nice. Yeah.
0: So he was really nice. I mean, I feel like I come. I've recently just been going. He was
1: really nice. He was really, <laughs> no, no, he was really nice. Everyone
0: he's really nice. I John mean, from Sister Downs. Most of down, these he's people really are.
1: Nice. Most of them are very nice. like. There are very few. What I was about to say, there's very few cunts in the music industry. That's not strictly true, but they, but like they're not
0: in. They don't tend to be in massive, they don't massive, tend to bands. Be in massive
1: bands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: so. yeah. They tend to be in sort of middling bands, don't they?
1: Yes, we've discussed this before. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah we did. Uh, anyway, so yeah, fair play, David Drayman. Well done, you and Little X for just going. Sorry, I wore a, cro- <laughs> a crop top. I just <laughs> loved it a man apologizing to a stranger for wearing a crop top is like, like that's what the fucking internet is and that's what the internet has become sorry i wore a crop top i found a picture of you in a crop top this is a disgrace you're pathetic oh sorry sorry about that and then the oh well okay don't do it again thanks the internet weird anyway um we started chatting about I mean, we started talking about festivals right at the top of this. And we were saying uh, at some point, we have said it a bunch of times over the years, that when you and I were growing up, Renfri, I mean, your first, my first ever kind of gig after Madness, my first outdoor gig was Red in 96. That particular year, there was a Monsters of Rock in 1996. There was an OzFest, the first ever OzFest in the US. But save for those events, there was really nothing in terms of an outdoor metal festival for you to go and be able to enjoy if you're a fan of this type of music in the same way as you know i mean really it was glastonbury v reading tea in the park when we were growing up
1: um yes of course download started 2003 so yes there was a little period
0: yeah and um your first festival uh was the big day out Mm -hmm. in 1999 Mm -hmm. after we did in 1998, get an O'Swest over here. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was the first the first gig I ever went to. It was the first anything. Right, my okay. first experience of live music whatsoever. And it was very much throwing me in the deep end. I mean, I was I was scared for a large part of that day because uh, I had the, the concept of moshing and all that sort of thing hadn't really reached me at mm. all. And I was like, why are they tearing each other apart? I'm, but it was also a very enlightening and fantastic day. But yes.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I think... These days, we are spoilt for fucking festivals. There is a festival, two or three festivals every single weekend as the summer goes on. And it means that some of them over the years have fallen by the wayside. And one of them that just popped into my head the other week was the Tattoo the Earth Festival. Now, like I say, AusFest started in 1996, came over to the UK for the first time in 1998, and became incredibly, incredibly popular Incredibly quickly, that kind of one-day touring festival thing of heavy bands felt like the right place at the right time for Ozfest. You know, you've got sort of piggybacking on the reformed Black Sabbath and the rise of new metal throughout the kind of late '90s meant that this was going to be something that was that was good. And then you got the kind of when you get the 2000 and that's the sort of boom year for new metal yeah with Linkin Park and blah blah blah. That is when Tattoo the Earth as a festival was conceived it was sort of conceived as an alternative heavy music festival and a a body art festival as well so it wasn't just a clever title it was a place where there were a load of tattoo artists who you could go like some of the best exactly. tattoo artists would be touring around with the bands and you could get a tattoo or yeah. you could get a piercing or you could get do you know what I mean
1: well the I thought the USP was I mean there are you know I, this, this will be me teaching your grandmother to suck eggs for a lot of you but there are you know specific tattoo artists who are very very revered and people will travel all over the world sometimes to go to those tattoo artists to get particular tattoos and you know tattoo the earth was like it's not only bands who are touring with this particular um uh lineup but we'll also we also have all of these tattoo artists as well who have agreed to come up with. i mean the idea of getting a tattoo at a festival does to, that felt really weird to me? Because you can get really drained after. It depends, obviously, what kind of tattoo you're getting, but you can get really drained after having a tattoo. So the idea of them mm. going into a pit to see Slayer, I mean, <laughs> you know, with your with your tattoo yeah. bandaged up, yeah. um, I, I, it, it it does that felt a little bit of a flawed logic. But I don't know. There probably are people who would do it. So you know. Yeah. Well, the first year it took
0: place in the year two thousand. It had a lineup with Slipknot, who obviously were on their debut album at that point. Uh, you mentioned Slayer, Sepultura, Seven Dust, Head PE, Nashville Pussy, Spine Shank, Downset, Cold, Mudvayne, Hatebreed, One Minute Silence, Amen, The Workhorse Movement. And on selected shows, Lamb of God, early, early Lamb of God, Metallica and Stone Temple Pilots.
1: Yes, yeah, right. Played man. a
0: few selected shows as well. So you'd think like, oh, look at this. What an actual... You know like the the Ozfest has some actual um competition. competition for uh you know a legitimate festival that could kind of rival in the in the the download sonosphere vein i guess that we would have uh you know about a decade later um it came over to the uk in 2001 or it, i mean it did but it sort of didn't really so we have just mentioned david jaman uh, and 9-11 and the 2001 UK leg of what was called. Um, it's Tattoo the Earth. Tattoo the, oh, Tattoo, Tattoo the the Planet. Tattoo the Planet. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, was Pantera, Slayer, Cradle of Filth, Static X, Therapy, Biohazard, Vision Disorder, and Raging Speedhorn was going
1: to be the lineup. Yes. That's a fucking good lineup. I had a ticket to the Birmingham show. I had a okay. ticket so to the Birmingham show. Yeah.
0: The shows were the 14th of September at Birmingham 15th of September at Wembley 16th of September at Glasgow September 2001 so the first show was going to be three days be after three 9/11. days after the sort of terror attacks of 9-11 yes. which meant a total decimation of the lineup. yes um, Pantera who apparently were in Ireland when the attacks happened were so scared that they flew back to America which to me still seems really
1: weird i didn't know i didn't know that that apparently they were in ireland so i didn't know that um i mean i will say at the time the total sort of fear and confusion it's very easy to look back on it now and go well the safest time to fly in the whole of aviation history would have been just after 9 11 blah 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 you know and i'm sure that statistically that's true but it did sure as fuck didn't feel like that at the time and um you know i'm sure they would have been, been getting advice left right and center yada 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 i think the thing that cuz i remember slayer ended up coming. so basically i had it's a slayer like headline didn't they yeah. yeah i had a ticket for the birmingham leg and i was um i did want to see other bands on the bill but primarily i wanted to go to see pantera because i'd never seen mm-hmm. pantera before and when Pantera pulled out, um, we were, I'm sure we were given the choice of refunds, and I think me and my mates, we discussed it. and we'd say, I was kind of tempted by Slayer as a headliner, but I certainly didn't like Slayer as much as I liked Pantera. I probably don't now, to be honest with you. Um, and it didn't f- quite feel enough, so I think we decided to cark it in in the end, which was really good, because I ended up getting flu- on the day off mm. and if i had gone i would have felt fucking dreadful i mean when you look at the
0: lineup that that did play wembley so i know skin dread played glasgow i'm oh, pretty right. sure skin dread played Glasgow because so basically a lot of people pulled out now um
1: about half the lineup pretty half much.
0: the lineup played. so static x pulled out yeah um pantera as we mentioned pulled out um, Biohazard, who are from New York, yes. did end up playing. So, um,
1: so I thought Vision of Disorder did as well.
0: I think they, Vision of Disorder did one of... I think they might have done Birmingham. I'm not sure they, they, did, they did the they whole did thing. They did London,
1: but they were only due to play London anyway. So, Right, okay. Um, so yeah, both Biohazard and Vision of Disorder, both NYC bands played it. <laughs> so, yeah, with
0: well, Static X and Pantera didn't. Yeah, and is... I
1: remember there was a lot of kind of... At the time, there was a lot of like... Come on, Pantera! Like these guys are from that city, and and obviously, you know, you want to be with your loved ones in a situation like that, and yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm not, I'm not trying to point at anyone and go, "You did the wrong thing," or like it was a very, mm. it was a very confusing time to say the least, and knowing what to do, yeah. what was the right thing to do, and what was the wrong thing to do. You know, it was very.
0: So the lineup that took place at Wembley was Slayer, Biohazard, Cradle of Filth, Vision Disorder raging speed on napalm death therapy and defenestration
1: it's all right it's all right isn't it considering
0: considering what happened it's actually it's actually all right yeah i mean it's not what you were promised but it's not the you know it's not the the fucking worth worth worst thing
1: no not at all it's 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 not bad I can understand. Obviously, I can understand. I was one of the people who, who went, oh, no Pantera, then no dice. Um, but it was, also, it was also because, you know, Birmingham was like an hour and a half. Like, if it had been in the city that I lived in, I probably wouldn't have given up the ticket. But there was a lot of kind of, you know, I think my mum was giving me and my friends a lift there and back and all that kind of thing. You know, there was a lot of other logistics and stuff. I mean, I would have been 16 um so Mm. yeah um but uh yes so what did you propose to me the other day on the phone that we do for this
0: so basically because what happened i think due to you know tattoo the planet was never brought back to the uk was just like that is it it's done it's gone it's finished and it went on for, you know, I think it, they did actually do three dates in 2001 in October in America. And then they did, um, they did a, a nine-date run, which, you know, the first kind of run of it was a sort of 15, 16-date run. And then they did nine dates between August and October in 2002. So they ran from the 2nd of August to the 11th of August and then the 12th. 13th and 14th of october in 2002 and then it was sort of gone yeah and there was no real sort of um alternative to the Ozfest at that point i mean 2003 download comes along obviously as we've already discussed and that makes things different but i was sort of wondering because you know download was a rock festival you know headlined by audio slave in the the first one it's going to be limp biscuit as well but it was much more kind of it was a broader thing a played hell is for heroes you know Keith Flint that that kind of um yeah that kind of thing was was all happening as well i think like a 100 reasons were headlining one of the other stages as well so but this was very much more like a metal festival this was very much supposed to be like this is an alternative to the Ozfest so i was thinking fantasy bookings of things is is a thing how would you have booked a 2003 lineup of tattoo the planet to tour around the US
1: you mean 2002
0: I mean, 2003, because they did it in 2003. They didn't do it in 2003. I mean, they did They did do it in 2002. I did it for
1: 2002. I checked this with you yesterday over Messenger. I said, are we doing it for 2002? You said 2003, I you said mad fuck.
0: <laughs> I mean, I wasn't paying much attention. You should have paid. You. Oh, yeah, you did say 2000. Well, hey, you've got 2002. I've got 2003.
1: Oh, We've got God. two years running. Okay, <laughs> that feels like a bit of a fluff up, but fine. I started doing it not. for 2003 as well. Oh, for fuck's sake!
0: Okay, fine. Okay, well, <laughs> so eight eight bands on the main stage, six bands on the second stage. renfrey's 2002 lineup, my 2003 lineup. <laughs> uh, I guess we do it in chronological order then, Remfry, right, we'll we we talk each other through it. Yeah, go on then. So, um, what would your second stage look like if you were going to book that, at that? You want time? me to do
1: the whole of the second stage? Yeah, 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 okay. and then I'll do my second stage. So I thought opening with Dillinger escape plan would be a pretty good shout. They would have just released mm-hmm. Irony as a dead scene. Maybe they could bring over Mike Patton. Probably wouldn't happen, but one can dream. Um, and obviously they'd have Calculating Infinity. I think Greg was in the band by this point. He was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. yes, I think that could have happened and that would have been a good way to start that off. Hard act to follow, Dillinger's Escape Plan. So why not put something absolutely fucking bonkers on with a bit more of Mad Capsule Markets?
0: Ah, oh, really?
1: Okay. Yes. That's
0: that's a pretty good shout, actually. I mean, yes. they were they were fairly big. I think that that's quite a low down the bill for them, you know.
1: I don't know. I mean, so it was a year previous, but a year previous, I saw them at the Fleece and Firkin in Bristol which is 400 cap. So, yeah. you know, I yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I thought Fair I thought point. that was a fairly good place to put them. I certainly liked the idea of them going on after Dillinger because how do you follow up Dillinger? And there's a lot of people... You know, Madcaps and Markets are still bonkers, but they're a tad more accessible as well. So those people who are, like, cowering in the corner, which, to be honest, I probably would have been at that mm. time, um, can kind of get back on board with Madcaps and Markets. I've then gone, obviously... I like variety, and I like difference. And I know this will be a little bit eyebrow-raising for a metal festival, but my next choice is Rival Schools. and Oh,
0: fucking hell. For, for Tattoo the Planet, that is quite a fucking... It, it's, yeah. it's,
1: it's by far my most off-kilter booking. But my reasoning is if Ozfest can have therapy, then Tattoo the Planet can have Rival Schools. They The previous year they'd released... Um, uh, not useful glue
0: um, I want to say Ideas Above Our Station I know that's not what it's called United by, uh, Fate. United by Fate oh yeah. my
1: god that's one of my favourite albums of all time I forgot oh to no. The um, previous year they'd released United by Fate absolutely phenomenal record one that we will be going into on classic albums soon i do keep going back to it and going it's something i'd like to choose soon as well um whilst it is my choice it's something that you would back up as well as a classic album absolutely, surely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. and i do understand that rival schools are but almost certainly having just a quick look almost certainly the least heavy band on this lineup however who is what chump is going to be caught dead not singing the chorus to use for glue at full volume. That song was everywhere. And it's, you know... Slayer fans. Well, it's funny because Slayer may well be on this lineup, but, you know, there are other things going on at the same time uh, for people. Um, I mean, well, I've got Clutch on the other stage, so you know, it's fine. Uh, It's quite good, you
0: know. Two spoilers there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, two spoilers for one. After Rival School's got uh you know i I probably have alienated a few slayer fans haven't i so um why don't we put a um just released jane doe converge on after rival schools to uh, cheer those people up a little bit bloody hell this
0: is this is a, a very this is like an odd thing converge would be would like mad capital market surely would be above converge would be my my expectation but i get it i get why you've done it but yeah, yeah.
1: i don't i don't know that's a tough I, I kind of feel like at this point in time convergent mad capsule markets were probably I think rival schools would be above them really well i've sort of put rival schools there as a sort of um uh to to, to give a little bit of melody in the middle of the madness like a sorbet <laughs> <in>
0: between courses <laughs> yeah
1: exactly just something to cleanse the palate a little bit and the thing is is like walter shrifles obviously has come from that hardcore scene so many people around them would like respect rival schools even if they didn't like the material as much you know so i think that works i mean yeah converge mad capsule market i don't know maybe i'd have to swap around converge and mad capsule markets because obviously they'd be uh, coming all the way from japan so i don't know if they'd be happy to come all the way from japan to get second slot on the second stage uh but you know converge after releasing jane doe i mean that would be absolutely fucking amazing wouldn't it um yeah after converge gotta be glass jaw hasn't it gotta be glass jaw at that point in time yeah this is on um worship they and tribute just so that, yeah. released worship and tribute i'm i'm pretending in my head this is september 2002 so you know which is just, if if tattoo the planet had got gone off without a hitch that's when the next edition would have been so worship and tribute has been out a few months it would have been the first time they would have come over Uh, for worship and tribute. Uh, I did consider booking them as special guests in case Daryl's Crohn's disease starts acting up, which it did quite a lot around this time. And then if they couldn't make it over, just be like, oh, there's no special guest. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, Uh, so I'm thinking about that. And then headlining the second stage, I would have been more excited by this in 2002 than Pantera personally down.
0: Yeah, were they doing
1: stuff around?
0: I suppose they were, weren't they? they? Because they toured with Sabbath.
1: I don't know if they were touring, to be totally honest with you, but I'm going to bring them over because I'm going to say, lads, you've just released a record. It's fucking great. It's really underrated, down to, in my opinion. And at this point in time, they didn't actually come over to the UK until 2004 uh But you know, this would be my whole kind of like, oh, it's the first time they've been in the UK. It's an exclusive UK show, yada yada yada. And yeah, it would be a huge deal, I think. I mean, I was almost like, oh, would I have to put them on the main stage? But I think headlining the second stage would be pretty cool. So yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. So that's my second stage. Okay. Let me do
0: my second stage a year later. Just okay. To break yeah. it up in yeah, yeah, between yeah. The two. That So good. that is a good second stage, and Thank I think you. that would get people coming a year later. Bear in mind that obviously Renfrey and I have not communicated very well this week, but fine. So in 2003, I was looking at things and what do you want from a second stage? Like, What is the purpose of a, of a second stage? I think there's two things. One, to give, to sort of shine a light on new bands, upcoming bands, to give those bands that shot. And you've kind of done that with Dillinger and... I mean Converge Up wouldn't have a really new band but certainly a band who those sort of people wouldn't have seen is to get some of those bands from those underground scenes and be like look this is this new band yeah. check them out here's a chance to see them and I think you want a couple of a bit like you have with Down as well a couple of like marquee names yeah. you yeah. want to go oh fuck me them on the second stage that will be fucking amazing so that's basically the mindset that I've gone into and I've kind of half and half done that kind of half and half Okay. so the first band um, that i would put on opening the whole thing because again you want to start with something really memorable something really really chaotic the chariot formed in 2003 so i would open uh, that festival uh. with the chariot which now there's not many times where i would go "Ha, you picked in your plan i picked a mad abandon you <laughs> but this it might be one of the rare occasions where dillinger are like out mentaled as a live band and i think You know, having Josh, people didn't know, you know, you could go, well, God, they were so underground. But people knew about Norma Jean. And I think if you went, oh, you know that album that that band, that debut album that that band Norma Jean put out? Well, the singer has left and he's got a new band and here they are. I think that would be enough to get them on that slot. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very, very difficult thing to follow. But again, you want a young, hungry, upcoming band who are, on the verge of something really really good to follow that steggle we split up at this point um and uh
1: i should have put steggle on mine fuck
0: you should have done yeah we would have had to turn it down probably um (laughs) every time i die are one of the few bands where you go i bet like they wouldn't be scared about going on after the Chariot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hot Dam had come out that year. Okay. So we've spoken a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about every time I die mm-hmm. in the last few months, what with everything that's gone on in, in in that camp. And if this had been a year before, I think I probably would have gone, I'm just not sure I would have been that excited about them from last night in town. And I still am one of those people who, who doesn't think Hot Dam is anywhere near as good as your big dirties or new junk aesthetics or, or you know we've said this loads and loads of times before or x lives or whatever but it's good enough and they would have been a great like they you know they were never anything other than a fucking phenomenal live band and i think this kind of underground metalcore scene needed to be represented quite a lot for me because it is getting to the point it's still you know this is the year that alive was just breathing came out and it's yeah. a you know so it's about to kind of blow up. So I think mm. it's like getting on that. It's a cool thing. Um, I've also added Devil Driver, who formed that mm. year as well, and their self-titled debut album came out that year. Now I'm not a massive fan of Devil Driver. In in broad, like I like Devil Driver. Mm. The first few albums I think are all right, you mm. know. But I just think people would want to see Des.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would have. I was really intrigued by Devil Driver because Cole Chambers split up, and then he's got this new band straight away, and you're like, oh, what's he doing? And I think a few people were quite, you know, having spoken to Des a bunch of times, I know he knows that people were super skeptical about them, super skeptical. And you could say, well, you know, you're putting them above two other bands who are better than them, and but you know, for profile and for people to be like, I wonder what the dude from Coal Chamber is going to do. And they came out the, you know, they again always a great live band. Like the amount of fucking Circle Pits that they inspire at Download and stuff is yeah. always awesome
1: yeah i think that is the right placing for them devil driver like with, with yeah. the interest that cold chamber had had yeah they probably would get there i imagine
0: and i think if i think you, you know if people be like oh the dude from cold chamber and the way that people thought about Chamber dude from cold chamber's got a new band he's going on to a festival stage it's not like he's going these are cold chamber fans coming to see his new project this would be a field of people who are like oh it's bez from cold chamber i think in that environment, he would have been so fucking riled up and pissed off and ready to fucking attack. I think those shows, those early Devil Driver shows, if you put them in, in a in, put him in a place where he needs to prove himself, I think that's when Des is usually at his best. So uh, that makes sense to me. Another band who didn't form but reformed that year were Killing Joke.
1: Mm.
0: Now Killing Joke, um. Never big in America, right? In fact, they never charted higher than 194 in the United States with um, Brighter Than a Thousand Suns in 1986. So they're not a big band. They're not a big band in America. Not in the same way as they are in the UK. Um, And I think when when they first came back, everyone was sort of like, oh, I sort of kind of remember Killing Joke a little bit. So they are quite low placed and they are a different sort of band to you know the 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 rest of the bill pretty much i would say but i just think a killing Joke, we smash it on these bills they always smash it kind of wherever they play really because they're just such a a brilliant brilliant band everyone knows how much i love killing joke killing joke in 2003 when they just had i mean i i like a lot of their newer material you know, do I need Pylon and, you know, not, not so much like some of those later albums, Hosanna from the Basement of Hell, there's got a few alright tracks on it, but cutting all of that off and just it being the first like 15 years of them as a band, all Mm. of that material, that is a fucking unbelievable set list to have like 40 minutes at a festival during the middle of the day when you've not been around for, you know, God knows how long how long they hadn't been around for five six seven years or whatever mm. so yeah killing joke would have been amazing
1: I, w- I wonder if i yeah i mean i do wonder if they are built a little bit low but you've sort of already made that point so i'm happy to skip over it but yeah i would have thought they could headline the second stage
0: Why? well not when you see who i've got above them okay so this is around a time in 2003 where new metal sort of dying out and people are going proper metal Remember proper metal, this is just starting to happen and it hadn't to become yeah. exhausting yet. So that is why I would have subbing my main stage because I still think that that sort of attitude was enough in its infancy for this artist to be able to sub the main stage. King Diamond. Oh. King Diamond <laughs> released The Puppet Master that year, but it was Abigail 2 came out in 2002 and I think that would have been people going, oh, I fucking remember merciful fate remember king diamond i think when we go back a few years because they played the correct me if i'm wrong renfrey they played the big day out which they did play
1: the big day out um that was merciful fate merciful they fate yeah the big day out they were the first band on the second stage is all i will say but but yes they did
0: they were um they were the first band on that's yeah i think back then because, no, I don't think anyone really knew who they were at that festival, do they? From from the accounts I heard, there's a lot of people being like, who is this?
1: There was a lot of people who didn't seem to know who they were. Um, I mean, there were enough people who... Like, Garage Inc. was out, and you know, obviously, yeah. I mean, I only knew who they were because of the Merciful Fate ballad, and so I would recognise bits of songs, and then it would be different, and then I'd recognise... But... Um, yeah uh, uh i don't know it's it's, it's it's a tough one with merciful fate and king diamond isn't it but like it totally makes sense now i mean i feel like you, should, you need to put them on the main stage now but um yeah oh it's, now it's, yeah it's i mean if it was
0: now but yeah. i think the, the the people were starting to go because if you remember around this time bruce dickinson was back in iron maiden and they That's were true. on dance of death at this point as well yeah and c- kind of you know i think like that renaissance of people giving a shit about bands like saxon and halloween and this yeah, is when that's that true, man of war remember when people started going like oh man of war okay for years when i was listening to, to metal it was like a man of embarrassing
1: for years and then a joke yeah
0: and then now it's people are going oh, no, no a metal, proper metal like man of war and i was like <laughs> oh well oh, go fuck you're serious oh okay <laughs> uh, and and i think this is just before that fucking whoosh where people yeah. are like Ken Diamond Merciful Fate. So I reckon you could get him there on the bill and fucking like awesome life always brings a brilliant um, a brilliant uh, show mm-hmm. to anything but headlining mate I tell you what no one they people thought they were washed up and no one gave a fuck but Machine Ed would know that they had Through the Ashes of Empires in their back pocket no record label um, no support almost sort of splitting up as a band but still big enough that people would want to go and see them and i think you'd look at machine ed as a second stage headliner in mm-hmm. august september 2003 and go oh yeah you know I'll, you know that, that'll be cool because they're, they're big enough to headline second stage i guess and you know the last few albums haven't really been very good or whatever but you know that'll that'll be cool they'll play Davidian, and they'll play like 10 ton hammer, cool, great. Yeah. I'll go and watch that. And then you get the Phil demo you get the Through the Ashes of Empires mm, machine head coming out, mm, who yeah. are this revitalized fucking awesome band. And that I think would make everyone go, Oh Holy my god,
1: shit. yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this new album. Even during Supercharger, like the band still played Brixton Academy, that's what the hell alive. Um, that's what most of the Hella Live album is taken from. Yeah, I believe. I don't believe they sold out, but you know they still played a, a relatively full Brixton Academy from what mm. from what I heard. So um, yeah, I, I, they they have always been a significant live draw. Definitely. Head. So yeah, Definitely. that works. So
0: that would be my second stage: Machina, King Diamond, Killing Joke, Devil Driver. Every time I die, the Chariot.
1: Go to that one, yeah. That's that. good. That that's um,
0: good. Talk us through your uh, 2002 <laughs> main stage lineup, Remfry. <laughs>
1: okay, so I'm gonna. I mean, again, as you know, I like variety, and I can't imagine um, this band getting on a bill that we were given in the UK necessarily. But I thought at this point, Opeth opening up the main stage. If Dillinger is not your bag, then. Um, you know still a heavy band but in a totally totally different way uh they were gearing up to release deliverance so maybe we would get one new song from deliverance obviously the only drag with bringing opeth onto your bill is they can only play three songs because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming i'd be giving bands half an hour at this point in the day but you know uh, their last album's Blackwater Park. They're about to release Deliverance. Even if you just get The Leper Affinity, Deliverance, and Blackwater Park, say, that's an amazing way to start the day, in my yeah. opinion. And it's not too full-on straight away. And if you want something full-on straight away, Dillinger on the other stage. I mean, obviously, I would stagger the stages. because that's You the want one the old stage,
0: staggered but, stage? Yeah. Don't you, but, yeah, you, you want know. the one-on-one-off thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, after that, I thought Jerry Cantrell because he's just released Degradation Trip. He'll play a bunch of Alice in Chains classics too. Probably the first time some of those songs would have been played in the UK for going on 10 years, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And I think more than enough people would be really excited about that and that alone, you know, um just after mad capsule markets on the second stage for that to be a big enough draw for the second band on i think um so you know definitely entrenched in the metal world enough i think yeah yeah for sure feeling like that's mm-hmm. a good good booking
0: yeah I d- yeah definitely and i think back then when I mean, he was still on his solo sets doing a lot of alice and chain stuff wasn't he so that's getting to hear some of that shit that early on in the day I saw him
1: I think I saw him the next year but it was at Newport TJ's and he played a bunch of Alice in Chains stuff and um, with William Duvall actually of course who Mm. went on to be the singer I mean We didn't know that at the time, but William DeVal was there as well. After Jerry Cantrell, I have kind of already given this away, but Clutch, I mean, the previous year, Clutch released Pure Rock Fury. No one complains. Not as one single person complains when Clutch are booked on a bill because they're brilliant and they are booked all the time and they are old reliable. I guess at this point they probably weren't seen as old reliable, but... What I will say to that, mate, is on Pure Rock Fury, do you know where
0: Clutch were playing on Pure Rock Fury here in the UK? you're going to tell me it's like the underworld or something like that it's the underworld oh
1: shit so i've put them too high. so there is
0: no way they could go above i would say either of those acts that you've put on the bill yeah uh, thus far yeah that might be they a... would be the they would be the opening band You're probably right. I think even even Opeth were at Mean Fiddler LA They were at Mean Fiddler.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I, I checked on this, but I didn't check the Clutch one. You know what? Let's have Clutch opening. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Still good, isn't (laughs) it? Still works. Still works for me. But I think on Pure Rock Fury as well, that would have been like a really Mm -hmm. raucous, awesome set. I mean, Clutch opening the day, that's totally fine with me. You know? Yeah. So after Jerry Cantrell then, let's say Clutch, Opeth and Jerry Cantrell. uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, Slayer. Um, at the end of the day, they are on God Hates Us All, Uh, I fucking love that album, it's my personal favourite Slayer album, I think at this time they were still pretty fucking amazing, like maybe not quite Uh, I mean I never saw them in the 90s, but maybe not quite as um relentless and incredible as they were in the 90s but still considered a very 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 good live band um and i think slayer would absolutely kill it and obviously you know they were booked to do the uk version the year before so i think they'd um i think they'd be i think it's a no-brainer really having slayer isn't it almost hmm. quite low down the bill though aren't they Considering yeah, they headlined
0: it theoretically. Headlined it the year before.
1: Yeah, I mean they sub-headlined it the year before, didn't they? I mean, I mean there is some. Ser- <laughs> I've just realised my next choice as well is in totally the wrong place entirely. Oh my god! We uh... <laughs> put a vacant stare. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. No. Uh, okay, so I think I think <laughs> so. Slayer are t- still on it. I'm going to put them up a bit, although. I'm probably not going to put them up enough because of what I've done with my ridiculous lineup, but we'll have Slayer still. In between Jerry Cantrell and Slayer, <laughs> everyone loves them at the moment. They're not a metal band, but at this point in time, you could not. No one was saying any, a bad word against Queens of the Stone Age, and if Queens of the Stone mm-hmm. Age came along with, I mean, if it was Nick Oliveri and Dave Grohl as well. You could kind of see them getting that mid, uh, that, you know, I don't know, like early evening, late afternoon slot. I think they could perfectly deliver on that, even at a metal festival.
0: Yeah, yeah? definitely. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, cool. you know, in and I mean, they did do the Ozfest on um, uh, Rated R, didn't they? So, you know, they would have been. Yeah. A pretty fucking decent choice yeah. for that, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you've got Queens of the Stone Age, then Slayer, which I've already argued. After that, Audio Slave. Right, okay. Again, I just feel like this would have been the first time that they would have come to the UK. I think people would have been so psyched. If you could have got them over to show people what they had been doing and there was so much talk about it that would be absolutely massive it'd be a bit of a weird one because you know maybe coaches would have come out at this point i think the it's always the album out the album's out isn't it the audio 2002 it came out didn't it yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So, so yeah and i think just with the names in that band i mean they ended up well they ended up they were sub headliner for download but they um they ended up it headlining it, and it, because it? Limbus mm. get pulled out, so I thought Audio Slave. There, I'm
0: mean, saying that actually, I've just looked, and it came out on the 19th, uh, sorry, the 18th of November, 2002. So it would be so on be the just verge prior. of, yeah. So Which maybe, fine.
1: maybe people had only heard coaches or something like that, or maybe they'd mm. only heard a couple of songs. But I think that would be really fucking exciting, uh, yeah, for people definitely. <laughs> I mean, the budget for my festival is insane because after that sub headlining. I've got Tool.
0: Yeah, I mean they would be sub-headlining around this time. But around I this think. time,
1: like it's crazy yeah. to think that, but around this time, you know, they did two. They were, weren't they? They
0: they did, they did in 2002, they did the, Oz, the UK Ozfest. Yeah. And sub-headlining. Yeah. It w- Aussie.
1: were they sub-headliner or were they third down? They no, probably they were sub-headliner. Headliner. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean yeah. that that was that was Aussie Tool system of a down. I mean, you look at that now and you go, "Fucking hell." So, you know, there's precedent for it.
1: Yes, although that was the year before, wasn't it?
0: No, that was two thousand two. Was it two thousand
1: two? Oh, that's a bit of a bummer because I've got System of a Down as my headliners. Well,
0: I think yeah, I think but Tool would be above System of a Down. it the-
1: just exploded mm-hmm. at this point. I don't know. I I feel like we'd just get. I mean, I feel like it's on the cusp of the point where those two would swap swap over almost. If you bear in mind when, because that was May, wasn't it, Ozfest? If you bear mm-hmm. in mind what would have happened in those preceding months, I think I think certainly more people would be excited. I think System of a Down would be the draw over to. I all. think
0: remembering the day that those two bands played back to back at that Ozfest as many people watch system of a down as watch tool
1: so if you consider that a few months down the line that might Mm -hmm. have swapped over by that point yeah so
0: it's a dual headliner of sorts isn't it i mean
1: yeah pretty much but Mm. you know who could i choose between tool and system of a down like knowing for like of the two bands i per i I love... I adore both of those bands. I personally slightly prefer Tool, but I'm also aware that System of a Down would be the bigger draw for more people. So it feels like quite a wise order to put it in. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think that feels like a... Like you say, a, a... a wise choice.
1: Alright, good. So there oh, we there go. go. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll go through that one more time just because I completely reordered it. <laughs> yeah, reordered it. So i Clutch, Opeth, Jerry Cantwell, Queens of the Stone Age, Slayer, Audio Slave, Tool System of a Down.
0: Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's not so a year later, this is what I would do. So again, main stage, you want some fucking big hitters. I think you want some big hitters, you want some stuff that is in the middle of the day going to get people riled up for the really big shit and as well you want to give a couple of bands new bands a kind of that push that leg up which is why opening and this actually has got more to do with really what they went on to do I'm looking at this with a slight slight bit of hindsight in 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 lieu of it as well avenge sevenfold I would put as the openers main stage openers waking the fallen came out that that year yeah. now I am not a massive fan of Waking the Fallen and I am not a massive fan of Event Sevenfold around this particular era. And you might go, well, you could have put Kill Switch Engage. But I haven't actually picked Kill Switch Engage for whatever reason. No. But um yeah. Uh I just I just haven't. But I do think again, you know, that they they weren't massive. Like again, I think people particularly, you know, over here, we sort of misremember that I don't think but, you know, they were they were open in the Lost Profits tour with the Bronx at Brixton Academy, you know, they were the first band on that bill around this period, or, you know, kind of. Yeah, it was around this period. It definitely so, you was know,
1: a relatively gradual rise, Killswitch. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think giving them that position would definitely, you know, they, they would have to be the opening band, and it's more about what they kind of go on to do. So I think it would look years like now we'd look at that and go, look at that Avenged were the first band on mad um, rather than what they actually were doing at that point. So that's kind of why I gave them the nod over Killswitch really.
1: When I first started doing this for 2003, which turned out to be the correct way to do it, but um, our yeah, communication well. skills aren't good enough. Um, I actually put Avenged as the opening band for main uh, main stage as well. So there you mm. go, great minds.
0: After that, I've put Poison the Well. Because Poison the Well that year, that's you came before you came out that year, They're on. A major label they should have been fucking massive poison the well and this is the only time really where you could have put poison the well on this on on a bill like this on the main stage okay i think the year before they're probably not quite big enough and then soon after everyone kind of forgets about them but you know they had a little they had a year where they were a band that people were talking about and they should have been fucking massive and i do think whacking them on a big main stage with all the people that I'm about to talk about, would have been something where you go, yes, this band are fucking excellent. And they would have got the props that they deserved. Yeah, Like I say, it's the only time we could have put Poison the Whale well on this bill. Really? Yeah. But um, they absolutely deserve to be there. Because, I mean, at that point, I'll tear from the red opposite of December, and you come before you. That's the fucking set list. 40 minutes at 35 minutes of that. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable.
1: No, no question that they deserve to be there. I was a little bit like, "Oh, can you put them on after Avenged, but um yes, I think you're right. You, like, at that point, this, you could. this particular mm-hmm. time, you you've actually picked the 5 minutes where you could get away with doing that." So, yes, that works.
0: Um after that, I would have Strapping Young Lad. Oh. <laughs> who had released Strapping, Strapping Young, Young Lad Mad. the album that year. that's a great shout on uh on the way to becoming uh, you know again this is a very gradual process devon wasn't like wasn't a media darling um and a kind of he was he was a bit of a critical darling but i don't think he was a media darling in the way that you know he wasn't a kind of Big cult act in the in the way that he is. Now. I mean, certainly not in the way that he is now. Obviously,
1: I don't know if if he was even a critical darling. I mean, the the record you're talking about, the self-titled Strapping Young Lad records, got fairly middling reviews, and and I think yeah. deservedly as well. It's it's uh it's um it's one of the weaker Strapping albums, definitely.
0: Mm. But you know, like a load of stuff from City in that set again, 35, 40 forty-minute set. That would be. I mean, this is a pretty fucking brutal opening to the main but you know it's a fucking metal it's supposed to be a fucking yeah. metal festival pantera and slayer were headlined it before so i've gone yeah. you're not giving anyone a rival schools, are you? <laughs> no no i'm not i'm really not after that i would go for anthrax ah. now i've been pretty uh we've been pretty damning about anthrax over the years really uh, as a podcast but that's because we have existed in an era where anthrax either don't release anything or release something bad, and the the wailing spectre of Joey Belladonna hangs heavy over pretty much everything they do. I am a John Bush man, definitely. And "We've Come for You All" was a fucking rager, a great return to form. Like what, probably the best John Bush album. You know, probably the best John Bush the album that I would be like. If you want to know why anthrax with john bush are great i would say this is this is the album and it felt like they'd done some pretty middling albums before that with john bush and everyone had sort of been a bit like yeah yeah anthrax yeah they were big for a bit and then they sort of weren't they weren't like slayer or megadeth or metallica who for a while who got to do those you know they never did an os they never got added to an Ozfest bill they never got to play a big kind of outdoor show in the uk around this time and it was weird they just sort of Vanish for a little bit in in the in terms of their UK presence. So mm. I think bringing Anthrax back on this album on a main stage with everyone else they're going to be playing with would be fucking excellent. And probably the most obvious pick for me, Life is Killing Me by Type o Negative came out that year. And although Type o Negative were not as big as they were sort of five years prior, mm. I couldn't not have Type o Negative. I've spoken about Type o Negative loads. They were still big enough and enough of a cult band, I think, typo, for them to command a position this high up the bill. still think they were in 2003. They've
1: done like story, haven't they, around that?
0: Yeah. Problem. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And, and so would Anthrax. Yeah. You know anthrax also were, were uh, you know were, i think they did the story and we've come for you all i'm wondering time.
1: if you'd have to swap typo and anthrax personally i but... initially
0: did mm. i initially did have anthrax going on after typo but i do think in terms of who had been bigger and more prominent long in in the, the years just gone by i mean the typo could play brixton in the kind of in in 1998 they were Brixton bands. Anthrax absolutely were not a Brixton. No, band. true, true. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. um And yeah. And Typos' popularity in it really did drop off a mm. fair bit mm. for whatever fucking weird reason. You know, we've discussed it a lot over, yeah. the, over the. You know, go and listen to our October Rust special, and you'll be able to hear us sort of pontificating on that more. But I do think just just typo okay. above anthrax um this is my wild card and we've got a little bit of we didn't have much crossover until it came to this audio slave mm. i picked audio slave as well i mean a bit of a, i did think it's a bit of a wild card it's been quite a heavy thing you know pretty much everything on this bill is metal metal but this is a little bit of a wild card it is um, a wild card yeah i put Surely, audio slave on
1: after slayer for fuck's sake i know
0: but <laughs> surely you know the love that people had who metal fans for cornell and regents machine is enough for people to be delighted with this is a booking More particularly it, if yeah. you're giving them 50 minutes um third from top on a main stage yeah. and they're only playing stuff from that first album yeah yeah the That's excitement levels would have been amazing
1: through the roof i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. i saw audio slave when they came over for their first shows uh and they played brixton in fact they played multiple nights at brixton if i recall i think they did two maybe Mm. even three um and our night was definitely sold out so you know they were definitely big enough based on three members of rage and chris cornell alone so
0: yeah now i don't know if maybe they should be subbing really because this is ah, i'll put deftones subbing because they released Deftones in 2003.
1: Okay, so the first... When I thought I was doing this for 2003, the first thing I did was put Deftones as headliner. But okay, interesting. Well, they weren't
0: as big, were they, after when this, They actually... I mean, the quality of...
1: They headlined Wembley Arena in, in September 2003.
0: Yeah, they did. Yeah, I, I just felt like... I think we've spoken about it before, obviously, post-White Pony. The next couple of records people did go, oh, you know and there was an, and Deftone started to drop. There was a but dip, I guess you get you're getting in there before that dip has really started to happen. Yeah,
1: there was a dip and Wembley definitely wasn't sold out. I was there, I'm assuming you were there, were you there?
0: I didn't go to that actually, no. Oh, okay. No, it's one of the few Deftone shows. In fact that and the I didn't go to the um, the London Arena show either.
1: Oh right, okay. Um I mean the, the, the Wembley show was um actually one of the poorest deftone shows i've ever seen they practically split up on stage and it was all ridiculous and silly for quite a long time weren't even Mm. sure if we were going to get an encore at one point it was really surreal but yes they had played i think that was my thinking when i put them on when i was doing 2003 i thought um well surely they would headline but i guess it depends on who your headliner is have you got like duran duran or something (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's <laughs> <laughs> Would have been fucking, would, would have been brilliant. Uh, no, I've got System of a Down.
1: Ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now at this point, at this point, sure. undoubtedly, sure, System sure, of the sure. Down are big enough to headline. 2003. Yeah. 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 I mean, they would be going on like this. To me, is like just the kind of the 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 big kind of blowout end hurrah of the toxicity yeah uh run yeah so you know they go away after this this is the last chance you get to see this band on this album and it had been such a big album you know two years down the line after being released and it's such a fucking monster of a record that i do think people would just be like fuck yeah like headliner brilliant Mm. rising up to headliner status seems like a no-brainer
1: yeah i mean you're getting no arguments from me i put Mm. them as a headline of the year before so obviously you're not gonna get any arguments from me
0: so avenged poison the Well, strapping young lad anthrax type of negative audio slave deftones system of a down as a main stage i think that would be enough to make a uh, a one-day tattoo the planet festival continue into like if they could keep the quality that high which probably wouldn't wouldn't be that easy to do but if they could (laughs) i mean, probably definitely wouldn't be easy to do that
1: I, I i definitely wrote mine out knowing full well that the chances of ever getting a lineup like this together would be insane but I did it anyway i mean there would be some you'd have to pay some silly money for some acts yeah um but anyway so you know let us know what you think i tell you what what we
0: might do is put a poll up what year would you go to? Renfrews 2002 or my 2003? Which would be your best uh, year at going to Tattoo the Planet? If it was there on the basis of these uh, these two lineups. be interesting to see what people think. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. I need a fucking glass of water and an, an aspirin and a big fucking donut as well. So I'm going to go and have that. Um, speaking of big fucking donuts... Um, Thanks very much, Renfrey. Uh, we... <laughs> that, is, that is
1: a harsh way to end the show. I know. Mike. I
0: know I'm not and that's why I'm not gonna end it that way. Uh, go over to to go over to two thousand treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets and put in the code Riot Act and get 10% off of your ticket to join us at a very, very fine festival this coming July. Uh, As I said, we'll be back next week. Thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast. Go over to our Patreon page as well, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, and you can sign up for our exclusive content. I believe we're going to be smashing out a bloody another porter's head, aren't we? Yes. Yes. Variety is review. So that'd be nice. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye.